We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today on The Timeline, Tyler Ulysses is gone. Devin Booker is mad, but we did finally get a free agent. Let's go. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. Why is it every time we take two steps forward, we take one step back? Welcome to the Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike V. Hill, and I'm here with Sam Cooper. How you doing? I'm doing well, Mike. Uh, a lot of news just got dropped on us in the past 24 hours, so I'm excited to talk talk about it. Uh, a lot of news, and all of it by Shams, Sham, it feels wow. like. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, Shams, overall, you, you talk about Woj and Shams, the master and the apprentice at breaking NBA news, and Woj has the uh, the upper hand on him so far in the entire NBA realm, but in just the Phoenix Suns, it's been Shams all the way who's been breaking news for us. Let's get right into it. Let's get into the news. All right, first things first. Devin Booker is not happy with Ryan McDonough. According to Shams, he is disappointed in the Tyler Ulis news. More specifically, based on other reports, he's disappointed the Suns didn't inform him or talk to him about that. Now, what I can say is, well, first of all, how could you do this, Ryan? <laughs> how could you isolate Again. Again. our only star? Again, frustration with communication from management is not a basketball problem. It's a problem that is relatable for anyone that's ever worked at any job anywhere. Everyone wants to know what's going on with their work directly from management. And if communication is not there from management to employee, that is going to hurt the relationship between manager and employee. And in this case, the employee is an employee who's about to make $147 million from the Phoenix Suns. And if this puts that at any risk, which it can't really, Devin Booker will be a Phoenix Sun for the next five years, most likely. Uh, but it, it's just frustrating that we've, I, we've alienated Goran Dragic, Eric Bledsoe, Isaiah Thomas. What's his deal with guards? How, how do you feel about this story? Yeah, I, well, I was just about to say it's we've done it again and again between Dragic and Bledsoe and Thomas. I don't count the Morris twins in this because the Morris twins were their own special brand of asshole. But you know, with and the, they're not guards. They're also they're also <laughs> not guards. Um, but yeah, it's just baffling the lack of communication because really, overall, we were gonna get into our episode about 
evaluating Ryan McDonough's time as Suns GM overall, I think we we might still do that sometime in, you know, it's coming in a quieter portion of the offseason when there isn't so much breaking news. But overall, I think he does a, a pretty good job of drafting an okay, uh, okay job of trading, although we've gotten shafted in trades a couple of times. But his biggest problem through and through has just been lack of communication with his players causing drama. I mean, the Suns, since McDonough became GM in 2013, the one thing you can say about them is that there's always been a lot of drama. It's a fun ride. (laughs) Maybe not so much if you're a Suns fan, but like if you're talking about the team in the national media, we've been a bit of a circus for close to half a decade now because of all of these players that we're routinely alienating. There's two ways that people watch the NBA. The first way is for basketball. And the second way is the drama, the the storylines, the narratives. And the Suns are never lacking in the narratives and the drama and the storylines. We're almost lucky that we haven't been winning because we would be on the tip of every ESPN employee's tongue at all moments if we were winning and there was this drama. The fact that we've been losing a lot, luckily that drama has sort of stayed under the radar, but I figure every NBA fan already does know about this. It's just very frustrating. If there's more evidence that Ryan McDonough is a basketball robot who doesn't understand human emotions at all, then this this is just more proof of that. It's very, very frustrating. Now, for those who don't know what we're talking about exactly, Devin Booker and Tyler Ulis are best friends. They were roommates in college. They went to Kentucky together. They came to the Suns together, and the Suns cut Tyler Ulis to save $800,000 of salary to help sign uh, free agents, but we also drafted a point guard. It seems as if Devin Booker understands why it was done, from what we can tell from reports. But what he doesn't like is that nobody told him that it would happen. It's very, very, very relatable, and it's very frustrating. This doesn't seem to be putting the extension at risk in any way. It seems like Devin Booker is going to sign it. I saw the great Scott Bordeaux tweeted out that no rookie has ever turned down a max extension. I doubt Devin Booker's going to be the first one to do that. But uh, it's still very frustrating just to have to endure drama once again. This might be Ryan McDonough's legacy as the Phoenix Suns general manager. Yeah, I think that might be fair to say, calling this his legacy overall, if the team doesn't turn a corner pretty soon and build a real strong winning foundation. I think it's important to draw this distinction. Mike, you and I both you know, knew that Tyler Ulist couldn't really remain on the team, not if we wanted to create a maximum available cap space. He hasn't been that good for the past year. We've talked about it before on the podcast. So it's not so much the fact that he was cut in the first place. I'd like to think that Booker is reasonable about that and understands that if he wants to make the playoffs because he's said and gone on the record saying he's done not making the playoffs, that the team needs better personnel in order to do that. But the lack of communication issue is really where it's just hard to see Ryan McDonough in a positive light if these reports about the lack of communication are true. So going forward, there's a couple things that can happen. First of all, we're going to get another uh, tweet by the godfather Gambo telling us that Ryan McDonough has spoken to Devin Booker and apologized for not communicating with him. The same report that we got about Goran Dragic and maybe the report that we got something similar for Eric Bledsoe. That's very frustrating. There shouldn't have to be a tweet every year of Ryan McDonough apologizing to another one of his players, but that's going to happen. And the other thing is, what do we do with Tyler Ulis? Technically, we can re-sign him. We shouldn't. It's not a smart basketball move. But will they? Uh, Ryan McDonough, I'm not sure he fully understands what to do in this scenario. He needs to appease his star player. He needs to. That's that's an imperative. I don't think we will sign Tyler Ulis, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was something that they considered. I think the $150 million contract extension is enough appeasement for the time being. <laughs> Again, I you know, I don't want to blow it out of proportion to the point where we're really in danger of alienating Booker. Like I don't think he's going to demand a trade in the next year or two. He could. If things got bad enough, I mean, he could just sign his extension this summer and then take the money and run in a year or two if we're still not winning. He absolutely could do that. But I think for the time being, is this something that has ticked Booker off in the meantime? Absolutely. Is it something that he might remember six years from now when he becomes an unrestricted free agent and is thinking about if he would like to stay with the Suns for a third contract term? Or if at that point he would like to run and go to some other big market team. Yeah, that's 
you know, something to think about. He could remember this all the way in the future. Uh, but overall, I, I think re-signing Tyler Ulis as damage control would absolutely not be the right move, both from a basketball perspective and just in terms of our public relations. I, I don't think Ryan McDonough is going to admit that he was wrong in this situation necessarily. I completely agree. I don't think it's going to happen. And as they say, winning cures all. So if we start winning, I think Devin Booker will forgive anyone involved. And and we made some steps towards winning. The Suns signed a free agent. Woo! Yeah, wow. Is this the biggest free agent signing since, I don't know, ever? No. no. Tyson Chandler? I, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. It's three years ago, Tyson Chandler. <laughs> Trevor Ariza. 33-year-old. <laughs> Trevor Ariza ascends into... The great Suns free agent names of past, such as Grant Hill and Tyson Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> Old, uh, you know, Phoenix and Arizona is where players go or where people go to retire. So <laughs> it's not a coincidence that old players like to come here as well. The weather is nice, as they say. Um, so, yeah, he can play a lot of golf too. Once again, Shams Sharania reported that the Phoenix Suns signed. Trevor Ariza to a one-year, $15 million deal, or as we call it, the J.J. Redick contract, uh, overpay for one year. Before we go any further, I think you should have your turn, make it as long as you want to just brag about this, right? Because we both gave our perspectives on our free agency episode about what we wanted the Suns to do. I was all aboard the Fred Van Vliet wagon, and you know I was really excited yesterday when I saw his name linked to us in tweets. You were really excited about the Trevor Ariza one-year short-term money signing, and you ended up being right. So Absolutely. And if you think I'm going to be humble about that, you're absolutely wrong. I was right. <laughs> no, I was way off. Here's the thing. I, I wanted Trevor Ariza, and I wanted him for a one-year deal, and I want him only if he's willing to play power forward, which I do think there's not been a report of that yet, but I think that's coming in training camp. They're going to say, you know, we're not really going to talk about positions, but you know, Josh Jackson and Trevor Ariza will be starting and one of them will be guarding a power forward. That's probably going to be the way they're going to talk about it when it comes down to it. But I completely misread the market because I was talking up to $20 million on that podcast. The market was nowhere near that. We, we kind of lucked out that we only had to pay him $15 million. It's been interesting to see the reaction from Suns fans on this signing. $15 million is a lot of money, but this leaves a lot of cap space for the Suns for next season and if this team gels this year and wins some games maybe even makes the playoffs now that is a stretch but maybe even makes the playoffs then a lot of cap space next year will be a nice thing to have and this is a perfect way to set that up i I really like this deal how do you feel about it yeah i like it um it's it's exactly what we were talking about i only wanted to sign a if we could avoid committing long-term money to him like we did a few years ago with Tyson Chandler. And that's exactly what we did. The biggest advantage here is Trevor Reese is not a perfect player, but he's going to do two things. He's a switchable defender. We know that. He plays good defense, and he's a very good three-point shooter. You can just basically leave him in the corner the entire offense, offensive possession, possession after possession, and he will just improve your spacing, improve your gravity, and create a lot of space for guys like Booker and Aiton to operate. So to me, this signing just signals that the Suns are trying to signal up, uh, trying to build legitimacy, right? I don't think we're going to make the playoffs, but I do think there are going to be a lot fewer blowouts. And I think we're going to, you know, maybe get into that 30, 35, maybe even up to 40 win range with a guy like Trevor Reza, who's a good vet. Uh, and maybe it convinces other vets to start considering the Suns next year when, again, because this was only a one-year deal, we're going to have cap space again. And... It means Trevor Ariza's in a contract year just by default. He only has a one-year contract. That means, you know how, how players play on a contract year. They play hard because they're playing for their paycheck. They're playing for their basketball lives. So it's a good situation. But we should talk about what the Suns have to do to make this happen. Because so far, we've just waived Tyler Ulis, which obviously made much larger news than it ever should have. He's a fringe NBA point guard, and somehow this is you know at the top of Twitter and NBA Reddit right now. Uh, but we've also waived Alex Len and Alfred Payton. Now, just waiving those three is not enough cap space to sign the $15 million free agent that we did sign. So what does that mean? It means we're likely 
going to waive one of our favorite players, Big Sauce, Alan Williams. Yeah, this I think 95, 97% chance that that's the route that the Suns go is waving Big Sauce because you got to get his five and a half million off the books in order to get above the 15 million in space that you need to sign Trevor Ariza. They could waive Davon Reed and Shaq Harrison, but those two combined is not enough to make up the difference. So it really either has to be Williams or else the Suns could find a salary trade dump partner for Jared Dudley or Tyson Chandler or just wave and stretch one of those guys and that would you know possibly get you enough money then that you could do it without having to wave Alan Williams but I think the Suns aren't going to handicap themselves long term by waving and stretching Jared no. Dudley or Tyson Chandler for you know Trevor Reza they're not going to do that so right if this deal shows anything it shows that they value future cap space and that makes it very unlikely that they're going to want to pay Jared Dudley and Tyson Chandler over the next few years. They, it just doesn't make sense. It, I, McDonough has proved that that cap space in the future is important, which is the right move. If we see, if we learn anything from the process, if we've learned anything from the Philadelphia 76ers, it's that when you have a lot of really good players on rookie scale deals or Devin Booker on that contract extension, hopefully, <laughs> then you have a lot of space, including great players and that's an advantage. It's a competitive advantage. Philadelphia is meeting with LeBron James probably as we speak right now. So imagine something like that happening to the Suns. Kawhi Leonard is a free agent. You know, Kevin Love is a possibility. There's there's a few free agents next year that could look at the Suns as a serious destination next year. Yeah, I think the core four next year, the four biggest names, and a, a couple of these guys, it would take them declining player options. So keep that in mind. But is Jimmy Butler, Clay Thompson, and then, as you said, Kevin Love and Kawhi Leonard. Any of those four players, if you add that to a core of Devin Booker, Josh Jackson, DeAndre Ayton, that's a very impressive team, you know, regardless of what the rest of the roster looks like. And we're going to talk about it a little later. In order to create max contract space to actually target one of those guys, the natural consequence of it is that the Suns are going to lose a lot of depth. As You know, it's just always worth what it. happens with... Yeah, it'll be worth it, but, you know, it, this... You'll have max contract space. You can target one of those guys. We can get into the numbers uh, again a little bit later. But you'll also have a bunch of like minimum contract salary nobodies at filling out your roster because that's just what you have to do in order to make that much space. Right. But when we're talking about building a contender here, yeah, if the Suns are good enough, the free agent moves we make next year could be the types of moves you make to, to compete for a championship. And when you're competing for a championship, those minimum deal nobodies can be pretty good. We're, yeah, you know, because once you get to a certain point, players, ring chasers, that's what that's what they're called, right, are willing to come and sign with you for very little money. We could we could have our own platoon of Zaza Pachulias to unleash on other teams potentially. <laughs> so a platoon of them. Yeah. We could, we could have several of them. So, um, but yeah, we gotta. We're going to get to being good in the first place. And right now we're very far from there. Oh, I hope that happens next year because, well, at least if it doesn't happen with Trevor Ariza, it's only a one-year deal. It seems like that's what's brought a lot of other fans around because let's talk about the fan reaction a little, a little bit. One, I think we might have been the only outlet, maybe the only podcast, the only people at all to talk about the possibility of a one-year Trevor Ariza contract. So... Uh, and you know we don't we're brand new, so we don't have a lot of people listening to us. So this caught most Phoenix Suns fans off guard. They they were not expecting anything like this at all. So when it came out, they said, "What? What the hell? Why? Why?" They didn't who? understand what was happening. Who? Yeah. Well, they should know who. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm, they watch the playoffs. Trevor Reason was making fun of it because I feel like anytime there's like you know you have posts on social media and about an NBA player, and if it's not one of the absolute stars, like you'll you'll get casual fans with like the who, who is that? But no, people should know. Everyone's, Everyone's a, scrub. a scrub. Everyone's a scrub. Even LeBron James is a scrub on Twitter to, yeah. to some people. So, <laughs> but you know what? You know what? If LeBron James signs with the Lakers, you you better believe I'll be calling him a scrub too. So yeah. You know, real quick before we move on from that, Paul George did not sign with the Lakers. How happy are you about that? That's amazing. Very happy. But keep him out of the Pacific Division. I mean, look, if LeBron goes to the Lakers, we're looking at eight automatic losses between <laughs> between them and the Warriors. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can get one win off the two of them. Mm -hmm. 
it's not going to be a good look for us. It's going to be a lot harder to rise. Yes, it, so. it will be a lot harder. And, you know, without Paul George, that makes it less likely for LeBron to go there. And seeing how pissed off Lakers fans are at Paul George was very satisfying for me over the last uh, 15, 16 hours, however long it's been since that was announced. Four years in Oklahoma, though, that was a shock. Yeah, who's who's the Lakers fan on Twitter who's been posting a countdown until Paul George becomes a Laker for like four months every day? And, and then he just posts like a hate-filled rant. Yes. Calling him all sort of obscenities because he didn't come to LA. I mean, that's just that's amazing. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, please follow us on Twitter at the timeline pod. We retweeted it. We are relishing Lakers fans and their tears. Uh, lots of schadenfreude happening for us. Follow us there. You'll see exactly what we're talking about. We'll try and retweet anything we see like that. But back to the Suns. Let's talk about how Trevor Ariza fits with the team. He only played 5% of his time at power forward with the Houston Rockets. Now, the Houston Rockets had a bunch of wings, so it's a little bit of a di different situation. But now the Suns have a bunch of wings. Do you think that he'll be starting at power forward, or do you think it's possible that we're actually moving Josh Jackson and Mikhail Bridges back in the depth chart to start Trevor Ariza at the three? Uh, either <clears throat> either one could happen, right? I think it's probably more likely that Ariza starts at the four at the beginning of the season. But... It could really happen either way. I mean, regardless of what happens, the Suns three and four is just two like generic forwards, right? Like, don't think about it as a small forward and power forward anymore. If you're a Suns fan tuning into the games next year, because I think the structure of our offense is going to look completely different. I mean, if you look at what Trevor Reza did for the Rockets, he really was a pure three and D, like truest. 3 and D that there is in the in entire league. I mean, he just would spot up for threes and he doesn't pick and roll. He doesn't post up. He didn't score that much off of like cuts either. He's really just going to improve our spacing a lot, but you know, he's not going to, mm -hmm. he could, he could start essentially what I'm saying is he could start at the four. He's not going to look like a four. So I don't think it even really matters who starts at the three or the four. Trevor Rees is probably a little bit bulkier and able to defend fours at this point in his career as opposed to Josh Jackson. I don't know if Josh Jackson is quite there yet. We saw Earl Watson start him at the four for the first three games of his career um, this past season, and it didn't work out so well. But I guess if Josh Jackson puts on some muscle, then maybe he could do it. So I don't know. It seems like Josh Jackson's working on that. Funny enough, Josh Jackson just recently posted on his Instagram. You know how I love to talk about social media for the players, but he just posted on his Instagram videos of him working out with, guess who? Tyler Uless. Uh They're all very close with Tyler Eulis, and they've been working out really hard. And, you know, if that means he's putting on muscle to try and play the four, that's possible. There's also an article that said he's been working on his ball handling to try and play some point guard in some lineups as well so you never yes, know what classic, what's going to happen there the but here's what i think puff piece coming out on <laughs> right. so yeah i loved reading it it was very satisfying but what's going to happen is this deal along with every other thing that we've done this offseason puts pressure on igor to win games and it puts pressure on mcdonough to win games as well and that means that we're not starting dragon bender we're just we're not we're not starting marquise yes. chris we're not that means the starting yes. lineup is going to have to include at least at least Trevor Ariza. Five we'll, decent players. Yeah. Trevor Ariza is our highest paid player now, too. So oh, Trevor Ariza wow. is going to be in that starting lineup. And then we, we can assume, of course, Devin Booker and uh, DeAndre Ayton. So that's three of the starting five. It has to include Josh Jackson. It just has to. And if that means that we're going to say Josh Jackson starts at power forward, then Josh Jackson starts at power forward. And if it's not Josh Jackson, it's going to be TJ Warren. It, one of those two. We have to put good players on the floor when we start games. And then the point guard, that's a conversation to, to have. If we make no other moves, it's probably going to be Brandon Knight. And I think that he deserves the opportunity to try and start. He's up there with one of our, I think he's just like less than half a million uh, less than Trevor Reza as far as paycheck goes. So he's right up there as one of our highest paid players as well. Uh, so if that starting lineup is Brandon Knight, Devin Booker, Josh Jackson, Trevor Reza, that's what I think, and DeAndre Ayton, 
that's an interesting starting lineup. And, and I don't know how much leverage Trevor Ariza has on a one-year deal to say, I don't want to play power forward. If we put him in at power forward, he's playing power forward. Here's the thing. I think Igor has already said that they don't, he said in the press conference, they don't really envision Booker as a point guard. So this mixes my idea entirely. But if we're talking about the opening night starting lineup that I actually think would be the most successful, I don't have that much faith in Brandon Knight. You know that. I would probably just slide Devin Booker over to the one. And then at two, three, four, you could start Josh Jackson at the two, TJ Warren at the three, and Trevor Reese at the four. I think eventually Mikhail Bridges, if he plays well, could slide in and replace TJ Warren into that mix. But we're talking about opening night. So I think it starts out as Jackson, Warren, Ariza. And then obviously DeAndre Aiden at the five. Again, if Igor's not willing to experiment with Booker at point guard, at least not in large stretches, then we know that it's going to be Brandon Knight. And then that shifts Devin Booker over and kills this entire idea. But I just have this suspicion that that would actually be the most successful pairing on the floor. Igor has said that they don't plan on running Devin Booker as a point guard very often. But with this move, they have to try because we have a lineup with a lot of spacing if we do that. And the defense, if we, so this is another concept we've talked about on a previous podcast. If we have chosen Devin Booker as our star, which we clearly have, then we have to surround him with defensive players who can shoot. And we have a lot of those now. We have, well, we have two really great ones. Let's start there, Mikhail Bridges and Trevor Ariza. And if we start Devin Booker at the point guard, and put those two in. Josh Jackson has room to move. Josh Jackson, Josh Jackson can't exactly shoot yet, but he can play on the ball. He can run some pick and rolls. He can handle the ball. He can take people off the dribble without any picks, in fact, and just get into the lane and kick it out or get to the basket if he needs to because spacing will make it difficult to help with Devin Booker playing off the ball. Uh, but we have to. that lineup will have to happen. I think when he was talking about not playing Devin Booker a lot at point guard, that was before Trevor Ariza was on the team. It's a different team now. We have a lot of defense and a lot of spacing. And if we're going to try and do what Trevor Reza did on the Rockets, that means quite a bit of Devin Booker at point guard. So I hope maybe he softens on that stance a little bit because Suns fans are clamoring to see that. We need to see that. That sounds like a really fun lineup. Yeah, it it does. And I, I think it's pretty clear that we're just blatantly trying to emulate what the Rockets are doing. So, I mean, that's just what the Ariza signing signals to me. And if that's the case, then why limit ourselves? Why not try Booker at more point guard, especially if we don't make a trade for, say, Patrick Beverly or, you know, even Kemba Walker. And we go into the season with our only point guards being Brandon Knight, a second rounder, and Elliot Kobo, who I am high on, but, you know, he's still. And, uh, and Shaq Harrison, who we called up from the G League last year. That Those players aren't good enough to deny Booker some some playmaking uh, time at the one right so maybe in e- Igor's mind not playing Devin Booker at the point guard means we have an actual real point guard on our roster which we still don't uh, now Elliot Koba could be that in the future for those who haven't seen it yet once again plugging our Twitter account and it's also on our Facebook if you look for the timeline podcast on Facebook we created a highlight reel of Elia Kobo's ability to shoot off the dribble and if you put Elia Kobo in that lineup with Devin Booker and Trevor Reza that's really interesting there's a lot of three-point shooting there and uh, you know if Elia Kobo develops the way that people are hoping that he can develop that ability to shoot threes off the dribble it our offensive threat will be very very high it's very similar to the Rockets or I hate to even say this but the Warriors. It's it's a similar offensive scheme as what the Warriors can do. And seeing what Igor does with these pieces is going to be really interesting. Having someone like Trevor Ariza to help mentor Mikhail Bridges and the rest of the team because he came from a championship uh, team at the Lakers originally, but he's also in a championship competing team in the Rockets last season. Seeing how he mentors them and, and hopefully he encourages them to listen to every move the coach makes, it could be very interesting. He's got a lot of chess pieces now. The biggest thing to me is that in just the past two weeks, the Suns have doubled the number of respectable shooters they have on the roster. Because Absolutely. let's think about it. Last year, it was Devin Booker, Troy Daniels, Dragon Bender, where all he would do at power forward is shoot threes. And then I guess you could say Jared Dudley is a respectable shooter too, but he never even got to play. He played like 10 minutes per game and about half the games throughout the season. 
So now over the past two weeks, we've added Mikhail Bridges, who shot something like 43% from deep uh, in his uh, last season in college. Uh, Elia Kobo, mm-hmm. close to a 40% three-point shooter. Trevor Ariza mm-hmm. shot 43% on corner threes last year, and he shot at least 40% on corner threes in six of the last seven years. And I say double because, you know, we also know that we have Brandon Knight coming back who can, you know, sort of take players off the dribble. He's not the best shooter, but he is definitely what I would call a respectable one. So right there, we've gone from four good three-point shooters to eight. And you can envision a lineup of potentially, you know, a year or two down the line, maybe, but a Kobo at point guard, if he's ready, um, Booker at shooting guard, Bridges at small forward, Ariza at power forward, just those four right there paired with uh, DeAndre Ayton. That's like an ideal four-out offense where you could put Ariza in one corner and Bridges in the other, and that's maximum spacing. And if you add Bender to that lineup, which obviously yeah, can have Bender problems. If Bender could but... learn to play the five, you could have a five-out lineup. Exactly. That's an but... interesting lineup. It's a very interesting lineup. Now, let's talk a little bit more about Ariza. So we have some stats. So he shot 43% on corner threes last year. So let's say, like you talked about, Trevor Ariza, he doesn't do much on offense, but what he provides on spacing really matters. 43% on corner threes, that, that's a huge thing. He can, he can create a lot of space. What we saw last season is Devin Booker was facing triple teams on the regular yep. because there was no other threats. And Devin Booker's ability to get to the basket was something that I did not see coming when he was initially drafted by the Suns. And it's with something that no spacing, one saw coming. Exactly. He's going to shoot a lot more free throws next season, I have a feeling. With that floor spread, his ability to beat his man off the dribble is going to lead to a lot of fouls. And the Suns actually have been good at shooting free throws. That ability, is, it's going to go up next season. It's going to be really interesting to see. Now... It's going to be – I can't wait to hear how Igor talks about this team when he's going to be asked about it because I want to know what that starting lineup is going to be. But there was two things McDonough said he wanted to address in free agency. The first one was what we thought was power forward. It turns out that he actually said a forward who can shoot and defend. He actually didn't say power forward, so I think this has been in the works for a while. He chose his words very carefully there. The second thing was a veteran point guard. Now, we haven't found a veteran point guard. Now, you mentioned Patrick Beverly, which, talk about a perfect fit. Uh, that'd be a, Literally, all defenders except for Bender and Aiton on the floor. It could be an amazing fit. But what other options do you see uh, for point guard for the Suns at this point now that we really don't have any cap space left? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Unfortunately, if you're a Suns fan at this point and you're hoping for another free agency splash, I don't really know what to tell you because, well, we would need to trade Jared Dudley or Tyson Chandler, which would be extraordinarily difficult because there aren't many teams with cap space, or we would have to wave and stretch them because the amount of cap space we have right now, even if we wave both Davon Reed and Shaq Harrison, creates like three to four million in cap room. In this market, that's not enough to get a good backup point card. So like before I was thinking that I, re- I really like Shabazz Napier as a free agent mm-hmm. option. Um, and I had thought about him previously as like a, a backup if we couldn't get Van Vliet. But even Napier was probably in the like six to eight million range. Like we, we can't get him for the amount of cap space we have right now. So we would have to make another move, which makes Pat Beverly the most appealing trade option by far. Uh, the, the question is just how can you convince the Clippers, who just lost DeAndre Jordan to the Mavs yesterday, by the way, that that they'll be willing to take our non-essential assets, right? It's Right now, it's because you don't want to trade TJ Warren for a player like Pat Beverly. I mean, TJ Warren's name has come up in trade talks before, but his value isn't that low. So you, you need to convince them to really be willing to take Marquise Chris or Drakken Bender. And we, as Suns fans, are still very protective of Marquise Chris and Drakken Bender and would like to believe that they will amount to something. But I think from almost any other GM perspective in the NBA, their value is very, very low. So it could be tough. Well, it should be said, Patrick Beverly's on a one-year, non-guaranteed $5 million contract, and he only played 11 games last season. So I don't know how high his trade value is. So it's possible that they could actually trade him. Maybe they'll even waive him. But I do wonder, and this is specifically a question I was wondering for you, does the addition of Trevor Reza make Marcus Smart more appealing? (laughs) Say we do stretch and wave 
uh, I'm not saying we will, but say we do create more cap space. Let's just say that through a trade or potentially waiving players. Does Marcus Smart fit better now that we have more shooting from the forward position? Well, yeah, I guess I should address this because <laughs> I've come out against Marcus Smart in the past. I don't hate Marcus Smart, the player. I hated the idea of giving Marcus Smart $12, 14000000 million a year. I thought it doesn't seem like he's going to get that anymore. That's that's precisely my point, which is why, you know, it's it's a good thing that you brought this up, because if the market really isn't there for Marcus Smart, first of all, I think that makes him more likely to just go back to Boston. Mm -hmm. We could even see him pull what Alex Len did with us the past year. Right. It would be risky on his part because Boston has this glut of wings that are all getting better. But he could even just take the qualifying offer, spend one more year in Boston and give another go next season. Um, but I think if it is a depressed enough market where he's willing to settle for, you know, eight million dollars rather than twelve or fourteen, then as as purely a defensive guy, he's good. There's no doubt about it. That fit makes a lot more sense to me now. Uh, obviously, I waver back and forth on the market smart idea, but it, it's it's more interesting now. Now I'm going to spread the floor a little, let you ISO because you have some notes on what our cap space is going to look like next year. Say we kind of go into the season with the team we have right now. Uh, why don't you explain to the listeners a little bit about what our cap space will look like next year? Yeah, so there's good news, right? It's not the best news ever, but the Suns are, at the minimum, going to have pretty good cap space next year. It's just when you talk about creating max contract space for one of those guys that we mentioned before, Butler, Clay. Uh, Kemba Walker is also a free agent that I don't remember if we mentioned or not. Kevin Love. Um, there are some other guys that we didn't mention before, too, like Goran Dragic and Chris Middleton, who could potentially be free agents. All of these guys, we could chase after one of them, but we would be losing a lot of our depth. So next season, my early estimation is this. If we waive Alan Williams, Davon Reed, and Shaq Harrison, we renounce the free agent rights to all of the guys who are going to be coming off the books next year. So don't bring back uh, Tyson Chandler. Don't bring back Jared Dudley, Trevor Reza, uh, Troy Daniels. And we sign uh, Booker to a max contract extension. So a contract where he's starting at about $25 million a year. We will have about 15 or $16 million in cap space. The reason this is, is because it factors in the fact that we have two more draft picks next year. We have our own pick, and we also have this pick from Milwaukee, which could potentially convey, depending on where they fall in the first round. And rookies aren't quite as cheap as they used to be, because depending on where those picks convey, two rookies could cost you as much as like 5 or $10 million a year. So if we traded those two draft picks and you know theoretically didn't bring in any rookies next year, we could be talking about more like $25 million in cap space. But even then, that's still not quite enough to go after like a max contract guy. It is definitely enough to go after a high-impact player. If the Suns really want to go after a max contract guy next year, they need to talk about not bringing in two rookies and also either finding a way to trade Brandon Knight's uh, expiring contract. It will then be an expiring contract or waving and stretching his contract. And then and only then, if the Suns get rid of Williams, uh, Reed, and Shaq, they you know don't re-sign any of these veterans, they get rid of Brandon Knight somehow, they don't bring in as many rookies, we're talking about the Suns maybe having anywhere from 35 to $40 million in cap space. So that's definitely enough for max contract, but it's going to hurt our depth quite a bit. Very good. That was awesome. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of cap space to be had there. There's some tweets around that, that set up to $60 million. That's not really the case. I don't see any way of getting to that much, but $40 million is enough for a max guy. Yeah, there's no way to get to $60 million in a way that, like, $60 million doesn't include Booker's max extension coming in. Now, here's, That's where that here's the is. other thing. So it should be said, though, Booker has not signed. Yeah, he hasn't. And we drafted Booker. So technically, we own the bird rights on Booker. So there is a possibility that we do not sign Booker to an extension. Of course, that's a scary thought, and McDonough would have to properly communicate why. But if we re-sign Booker after signing free agents next summer, we can sign Booker over the cap and not be penalized the same way a team would be if he were to sign his extension right now so basically what that means is we'd have to wait on Devin Booker's extension till next season at the end of next season wait till we sign other free agents and then end our free agency splurge 
with signing Devin Booker. So maybe that's how they're looking at it because there is a possibility that we create more cap space without signing Devin Booker yet. Fill that cap space and then sign Devin Booker. Go over the cap. Now, our owner is Robert Sarver. So it's not incredibly likely that we're going to purposely go over the cap. But if we do it in any season, that season is the one that makes sense. And I do believe that Booker not signing his extension right now is less related to the Tyler Ulis drama and more related to the fact that I think Ryan McDonough is actually considering this. And Zach Lowe actually tweeted about this um, as a possibility. And at the time, I thought, no way. In fact, I think I even responded to his tweet with, there's just no way that the, the Suns take any risk on this. But looking at our situation now that we have Trevor Reza and we have the ability to create so much cap space next season, that might be a little more likely. It's it's all about communication, right? <laughs> and and that's the scary that's part. The scary part because <laughs> what you're saying is absolutely right. The Suns can create more cap space next year by waiting on Booker's extension, and you know then you sign all the free agents you want, and then you wait till the very end. And once you got have the guys you want, you can go over the cap by using Booker's bird rights. All of that logic is sound, but the advantage to just Getting it over with this summer is now you have Devin Booker locked up for five years. You won't have to play around and risk shooting yourself in the foot, you know, or, you know, doing anything else that would potentially alienate him between now and next summer, which given Ryan McDonough's track record, I don't know how much I trust him. It's a smart move to lock down Devin Booker right now, and nobody would blame him if he did that. If he could properly communicate with Devin Booker, what waiting could do to our cap situation next year. That is also a smart move. Uh, I think that Devin Booker knows that he's the star here and we've sort of, uh, our entire franchise kind of revolves around him. Now, this that's the problem. That's the big problem with this Tyler Eulis thing is nobody told him and, and, and maybe he's not trusting them. That The theme of not trusting front the front office is a common theme here in Phoenix. We heard... Uh, Goran Dragic directly addressed that, so hopefully that's not the issue here. But I'm really interested to see what happens over the next few days. Will that extension come down? And if it does not, will Devin Booker or Ryan McDonough address directly why that is? Because if they say, look, we our plan is to sign Devin Booker to a max deal, but if we hold on to that cap space, we could sign him over the cap and we could potentially attract really great free agents next season. That would be a great way to communicate. If you communicate it to the press, you communicate it directly to Devin Booker that this is what you want to do. So it's going to be really interesting. It's the way that you would need to communicate it to Booker, but it's not necessarily enough to get him to be on board. Because speaking from Booker's perspective, you need to consider security, long-term security. That's why players sign extensions years before their contracts are up. Because, and I'm, I'm knocking on wood as I say this, but consider a situation where next year, you know, Booker decides not to sign his max extension right now, and then he tears his ACL in training camp. And then How he dare comes you back the following that? year. Right, that's why you? I knocked on wood. That's why I knocked on wood. So don't, don't, you know, kill me. But if you're the player, you want to avoid a situation like that where, you know, if that happened, would the Suns still be offering him that max contract extension when he comes back? It's a big risk for him to take, and you can yes. see why it's appealing for a player to just take the security. We would absolutely still offer him that extension. Absolutely, it's just, we've never had a st- he, for one. Devin Booker. Don't think you don't think Ryan McDonough with his track record might try to lowball him. No, I don't think that Robert Sarver would let that happen because one, Devin Booker is not only an amazing basketball player; he's also very marketable. He's he he's a good looking NBA star. <laughs> and he's a guard. Guards are just more marketable. DeAndre Ayton, of course, is still marketable. In fact, we heard news that the Suns have sold up to three times as many season tickets so far this offseason than this time last offseason, which makes a lot of sense. Nobody was really looking forward to the last season, but uh, guards are just more marketable. We've seen how they sell shoes, and the shoes indicate that guards are more marketable. We would absolutely... I just think it would still happen even if he was injured. Um, so... We'll find out. Hopefully, we'll find out over the next few days. If we don't sign him to an extension, they have to address it. That's the other part because they, they might not. McDonough doesn't 
tend to share a lot of news with us. Now we know that if we do get any news, it's coming from Shams because <laughs> Woj does not have the inside scoop on the Suns for whatever reason. But if we see a tweet from Shams, the Phoenix Suns and Devin Booker have agreed to wait on a contract to try and preserve cap space for next season or something to that effect, uh, that, that would be really interesting. And I hope that if that does happen, we hear directly from both players, one from Devin Booker saying, I'm not worried, I trust our front office, we're going to get that done next season, but we want to keep the options open to make the team as good as we can next year. And if we hear the same thing from McDonough, that would give me a lot of a lot more hope and confidence, even though I would still be a little nervous just based on what's happened so far this offseason. What if, just one last thing before we move on to other stuff, what if mm-hmm. it becomes a situation like the LaMarcus Aldridge situation, where the Suns communicate to Booker, where holding off on your contract extension so that we can preserve more cap space and bring in a big star, big shiny star next summer. And we talk to a bunch of stars and like LaMarcus Aldridge, they choose someone else. Do you think that would harbor any sort of resentment in Devin Booker to be like, hey, I took a risk here putting this off for a year and you couldn't even get anyone? Because we are the Suns. I mean, let's let's look at the reality. Our best free agent yeah. that we've ever signed is Steve Nash. We've struck out, who was great, by the way. Right. But he's sort of like the only all-star level player, him and Tom Chambers, the only all-star level players we've ever signed mm-hmm. in free agency in 50 years. So, you know, if if that happens, would that have any potential to, you know, affect Devin Booker? Well, these are these are emotional questions essentially because yeah, the real are, truth but... of it is the the real truth of it is he makes 150 million dollars either way. Uh, so, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to get in the head of Devin Booker and really find out what he feels about the situation because money-wise it's the same either way. Yeah. That's true. Now, all right, we're getting about 45 minutes here. Let's just real quick, two more things. We have a bunch of wings now. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. And and this one goes this one goes credit this one goes credit to Espo. All wings and no sauce. If we wave big sauce. <laughs> oh no, wow. Yeah. No, I couldn't. I had to give him credit. Wow. I mean, you know, it's not, I can't take credit for that. That is I'm a not, I'm fantastic not tweet. No. Yeah, wow. but let's let's talk about our wings. We have, we have a okay. lot of them. Josh Jackson, TJ Warren, Mikhail Bridges, Trevor Reza, Marquise Chris, Dragon Bender, we can include them in there. S- something's got to give, right? Yeah, something does have to give. Well, some, so let's think about it from the perspective of minute distribution. They're, we're talking about these six guys sharing minutes at two positions, small forward and power forward. You could play some of them spot minutes at the two. Maybe you can get away with playing Bender a few minutes at center, but none of them are going to get many minutes at those two positions. So for the most part, we're talking about small forward and power forward. That's 96 minutes in a game split between six guys. By my quick math, that's 16 minutes per game. for Quick maths. Quick maths. That's 16 minutes per game for each of these guys is not nearly what, you know, Josh Jackson... Trevor Reza, who just was brought in for $15 million, and TJ Warren, who's coming off a 20-point-per-game season, they're not going to come into the season being okay with getting 15 to 20 minutes a game. They're looking for more than that, which signals to me that either a trade is coming or one of these guys, probably Bender or Marquise Chris, with the way they're playing, is just going to get absolutely buried on the bench and not really receive any playing time. Yeah, one whatsoever. thing we didn't even mention is Jared Dudley's also a wing and he's on this team still. Technically, I didn't even I didn't even include Jared Dudley there because I think it's just a given that Dudley doesn't get any playing time with he's these done. six. Yeah. In front he's done. He's, he's out of the just, rotation. He's cooked. He's cooked. Mm-hmm. It's just you know it's fine because he's he's basically an assistant coach already. He barely played this last season, and you know I, I don't know. It'll be interesting if we move T.J. Warren. Maybe uh, Jared Dudley could get some minutes but I think if anything I would say at least Marquise Chris and most likely TJ Warren are on the trade market right now and they're looking for a point guard yeah I I have to agree with that all right last thing summer league that's next it actually summer league starts tomorrow I believe the games start tomorrow the Suns don't play till Friday they play Friday and Saturday, Dallas and Sacramento. So we get to see, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like Luka Doncic is playing, but I, I hope that changes. Uh, but the uh, rosters are out. Do you have the roster in front of you? Yes, I do. All right, let's look at it. Who's who's playing? Do you want me to read out everyone, even the names I can't pronounce? Well, let's talk about the, 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 main, the main people. <laughs> okay. I think the thing that stood out to me first was 
Josh Jackson is playing. Yeah, he is in his in his second season, so that's exciting. Um, he, okay, here are all the names you're gonna recognize as a Suns fan: DeAndre Ayton, Josh Jackson, Dragon Bender, Mikhail Bridges, Shaq Harrison, uh, Elia Kobo, Alec Peters, Davon Reed, and George King. George King was our 59th overall pick that we just took in the second round. So that right there, that's a lot of a lot of players that have actually been on the Suns roster or were just recently drafted. Who's missing? Um, who's missing, most notably, is Marquise Chris. You'll notice yep. Dragonbender and Marquise Chris were taken in the same draft class in 2016. Dragonbender is going to be there. Marquise Chris will not. A couple of interesting things about that. One, Coach Igor said he wanted Marquise Chris to be there. So it's just interesting he's that he's not there. Yeah. Second thing, second thing, Igor's coaching. That's a cool thing, too. Now, we found this out last week. We haven't talked about it yet, but... So that's going to be really great. We get to see him sort of work with those players. Maybe we see a little bit about what his offensive system is going to look like. We know in summer league coaches tend to experiment, but I don't think that that's going to be the case for the Suns this summer league. We have a brand new coach, and I think he's going to try and install his actual offensive sets from the top. I think that's the reason he's coaching, in fact. It's not going to be one of those things where we're going to try Dragon Bender out at point guard for a, a few sets. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think this is going to look like more like what the actual offensive scheme is going to be during the NBA season. Not to mention we'll be much more successful with a Kobo and Harrison running point guard than Bender, but that's besides the point. I cannot wait. I will be there uh, once again. I'm probably going to take some recording equipment. Maybe if I run into some interesting people, we can get some interviews while we're there. We're very excited to see it. Um, and that's all I got. Do you got anything uh, else? No, that's that's about all. Uh, stay tuned to our social media. We're, we're always active on Twitter again. One last plug, the Timeline Pod, um, because you know the Suns could still do stuff in the next few days. We're looking forward to Summer League, and yeah. we're going to be watching those games and covering. Mike is going to be there. But we're also... If any big breaking news about the Suns comes out with a trade or a free agent over the next few days, you can bet we'll be putting up an episode. Exactly. One episode next weekend for sure. If anything big happens this week, another extra bonus episode, if you will. But thank you for listening to The Timeline. Make sure to subscribe to our or follow our Twitter account. And check us out on Reddit. Feel free to hit us up at any time. And if you're going to be at Summer League, let me know. Maybe I'll talk to you on the podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.